2020, episode 46. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you come to to listen to the news and the things that are going on as we lead up to the 2020 election. I bring you this podcast Monday through Friday, five days a week, and I try to bring you the best news that I could find. I scour the internet looking for some uh, good news for you so that you know what's going on with regards to the candidates, their policies, their politics, uh, the infighting among them, and also the uh, the tweets and the memes and the different things that you might find. All that stuff, I try to bring you as much of that information as I can, covering you know the these candidates and what they believe in, what they stand for, uh, what they're trying to do for you, and what they're trying to, you know, the, the freedoms they might be taking away and so forth. And uh, we come at it from a libertarian perspective. That's what I do. I'm a libertarian. And if you like what you hear, then, hey, I appreciate you coming out every day and listening. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you can as well. That's something I always ask you to do. Uh, just so you know, if you're listening today and you want to listen tomorrow, it'll be in your podcatcher. But you could also go back to previous shows and listen to those as well. Uh, and have Obviously, this is episode 46, so I have 45 previous episodes to free to listen to. And uh, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, yeah, it seems like it was getting better as the show progresses. Uh, so hopefully those earlier shows will keep people listening, but... Uh, hopefully I get better every day too. I'm new to this. I've only been doing this for two months. So I'm not a professional speaker. I'm not an ap- academic. I'm not a you know college professor by any means. Never have been. Uh, never, I never really desired to be. I really enjoy economics. I really enjoy knowing what's going on with, with the politics of, you know, of, of the federal government. And I think it's exciting to follow the races, even though I typically don't vote. I just, you know, it's it's interesting to me to see the power plays that are made and the and just see the power that these people are trying to obtain because that's what federal government is, right? Is is power over the entire United States, over the every state in the country, and obviously there's some limits on that as well. But all these politicians, they have these promises that they are going to bring you this and bring you that. It's just interesting to me. So I've always thought it would be fun to bring a show about the 2016 elections because that was very fun, very interesting. Back then I had that idea, but I just never jumped on it. But this time around, 2020, if it is anything like 2016 was, we're going to have a very good time watching this. And with Trump in the race, with Trump being the president now, and he's going to be running against whoever the Democrats choose, it's almost guaranteed to be exciting because that guy is a showman. He really uh, he really enjoys stirring the pot. That's what he does. And if anything, at least it'll be entertaining, right? And that's what, that's, I mean, I guess it puts America 
as a laughing stock of the of the world in that sense that you have someone that's such a showman but you know some people like him as well so um well, a lot of people like him as well the guy got elected so i mean he got elected based upon that showmanship idea that he's going to be a power player out there in the world and, and everything so um Anyway, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you can, and go ahead if you'd like to give me a five-star rating on whatever podcast you're listening to. Give me a review, and I would certainly appreciate that as well. I've had some uh, generally bad bad ratings, but I haven't had any reviews that were bad, and I'd like to see, you know, if you're going to give me a bad rating, at least give me, a, you know, give me a review as well so I know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, but if you know, but if you think I'm doing stuff right as well, you know, if you have any ideas for shows, things like that, let me know as well. And you can follow me if you'd like to at I on the Empire, and that's on Twitter uh, at I on the Empire. And uh, the reason why I chose that is just because on that uh, on Twitter, I go ahead and let you guys know some of the things that are going on just around the world as well as domestically uh, with regards to the United States federal government. Uh, the empire that it is, and, you know, the things that they do good, things that they do bad, and obviously as a libertarian, typically I think most of the stuff that they're doing is generally bad, but you know what, if the federal government's going to, you know, if the government is going to pull out of some of these wars over in Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, stop intervening in some of these countries, things like that, I'll post those things as well. If they're trying to do nu- denuclearize North Korea, I'll post you know positive things about that also. Uh, just because as a libertarian, I typically take more of an anti-war stance as well. Uh, obviously, if you know somebody's invading the United States, maybe there should be uh, the ability to defend yourself, but uh, no one's invading the United States right now. I don't see boats coming across the Atlantic or the Pacific, and uh, you know so maybe we should have a more of a non-interventionist foreign policy. That's the position I take on it. So if you're following me on I am at on the Empire, you'll get, you know, good good news and events that are going on um with regard to the entire world, but on I on 2020, I take a position, a libertarian position to bring you all of the news and the events that are going on with the 2020 election and here I am today and that's what I'm going to bring to you. So, the first piece of news that I have for you is this the biggest news of the day, of the week probably, is that Hillary Clinton is not going to run for president. And that was in the New York Times that she, I guess she was doing an interview uh, in New York, and she said that she's definitely not going to be running for president. And uh, let me get into the article, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. So New York Times, and this is uh, March 4th, 2019, by Shane Goldmacher, and she's, it says... Hillary Clinton, the former Secretary of State and First Lady who lost the White House to Donald J. Trump in 2016, said officially on Monday that, or what has been unofficially clear for months, she is not running for president again in 2020. I'm not running, she says, told in, she told a New York City television station, News 12, but I'm going to keep on working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. Miss Clinton, the first woman to win a major primary nomination for president, remains a complicated figure for the Democratic Party as both a trailblazing female leader and also the candidate who was defeated by Mr. Trump. Ahead of the 2020 election, she has been holding private meetings with many of the current potential presidential candidates, including Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. 
as they sought counsel from her even before she formally ruled out another run. So these these candidates are going to her just to kind of see what she says about running against Donald Trump, I would imagine, because she did it and she, you know, felt the full brunt of Donald Trump and his tweets and all of his uh, mocking and everything else that he does, right? So then it goes on. Four female senators, Miss Harris, Gillibrand, and Amy Klobuchar. Sorry, I always pronounce it wrong and I apologize. I don't watch the news, so I don't ever hear it in my ear on how it's exactly pronounced. And I know someone's going to call me out on that because they have in the past. So uh, Harris, Gillibrand, Amy, and Warren, Elizabeth Warren, and one congresswoman, Tulsi Gabbard, have already jumped in the Democratic primary campaign. The glut of female candidates is widely seen as an outgrowth of Mrs. Clinton's own nomination in 2016. Miss Clinton, 71, is still younger than some Democratic candidates who are either running such as Bernie Sanders, who is 77, considering considering running also as Joe Biden, 76, and mayor of uh, New York City, Michael Bloomberg, 77. But many of the in the crowded field of more than a dozen candidates are already pushing to install a younger generation of leadership for the party. So getting back to that, so this crowded field idea is what I heard that you know, obviously, if she's running in such a crowded field, it might be harder for her to get the nomination anyway. And she's already a tainted candidate. And I think it's been since the 1960s with Richard Nixon that somebody that won the party nomination but lost the presidency, they very, very rarely win or very rarely run again. And this is the first, that would have been the first time since 19. 60 I think it was the 1960 election when Nixon lost and then he finally ran again in 68 and he ended up winning at that point right so it's very rare for that to happen so she's ruled out a run for president and she's obviously going to be spending a lot of time working with the some of these campaigns I bet you she would not take a favorite like she's not going to throw her name behind somebody until near the very end right uh, she's going to kind of stay back but she'll probably spend a lot of time giving these people counsel obviously charging for it i'm sure right um so then the final wrap-up of the article it says in the television interview miss clinton signaled that she planned to remain a presence on the political scene uh, quote i want to be sure that people understand i'm going to keep speaking out she said i'm not going anywhere but she laughed off the idea of running for any other political office such as new york governor or mayor in the future and she says, oh, I don't think so. So I guess she was laughing about that as well. So she has ruled out a run for president. And Donald Trump tweeted about that and said, oh, she'll be sorely missed and everything else in his more sarcastic way. That's typically what he does, right? And, you know, I'm sure, oh, he says she'll be sorely missed. So what does it say on Politico about that particular article? Uh Trump says Clinton will be sorely missed in the 2020 election. President Donald Trump on Tuesday mocked Hillary Clinton's decision not to run for president in 2020, saying his former opponent would be sorely missed. And this is the quote from his tweet. Crooked Hillary Clinton confirms she will not run in 2020. Rules out a third bid for White House. Aw shucks. Does that mean I won't get to run against her? She will be sorely missed, the president tweeted. So that's his, that's his response to it. 
And then she responds with a, a gif, I guess, from Mean Girls. And it says, why are you so obsessed with me? I guess there was a movie back in the early or early 2000s about a bunch of Mean Girls. And one of them was saying that she's so obsessed or that someone was so obsessed with her. And that was the, that was Miss Clinton mocking Donald Trump as well. Um, so we're getting into the candidate or the, the politicking of Twitter wars at this point. And Donald Trump has became, become a master of it. He has everyone with their own little nickname and everything else. And Hillary Clinton, I mean, people liked her, I guess. I, I think that she was a flawed candidate. That's why she lost. If it was just like a more mainstream person without as many skeletons in their closet and, which is, and without, without as much baggage... It would have been an easy win for the Democrats at that point. But, I mean, because the Republicans to- chose Donald Trump. I mean, he's a rich guy. He's a businessman. And he's popular on t- he was popular on TV with, you know, with the, what was it, with, with, with the, with the um, reality TV show that he had, right? And that's about it, you know? I mean, that was, that, I mean, he's a... Uh, a real estate mogul pretty much and he you know he he loans his name out to a lot of hotels and things like that so they could have the trump tower in different places he was more of a branding guy and so forth and i think he even admitted that before it wasn't like he owned all these buildings it was more he leased out his name because it was a brand that he had and he had like suit lines and he had stakes and all this stuff right but the republicans put up donald trump but this guy i mean he he called out everybody. I mean, he started calling out China from the beginning, and people don't like China. He started calling out, you know, Mexican uh, illegal aliens from Mexico, and he talked about building the wall and things like that. So, I mean, people, he was speaking to a lot of the blue-collar workers, I guess, that have those those challenges with, with what's going on in America, and he spoke to them pretty well. That's how he got elected. And you have Hillary Clinton, who, you know... She was a secretary of state, but she made some mess. She made some pretty big mistakes in Benghazi, and uh, you know, with her, with her emails and so forth. I mean, there was just some challenges with her. So, uh, she's not running for 2020. I just wanted to bring you that news. And there's a there, there's a couple another uh, interesting piece of news that I wanted to bring you guys as well. So I found this article in Forbes magazine, and it's from March 5th, 2019 by Alex Swerz, and uh, it says, Disapprove of Trump. Math says you still might be for him. And it says this, uh, If the 2020 election were today, Trump would lose, minced no words. But it sure minced the numbers badly. When Gallup recently reported that Donald Trump's 2018 approval rating was below 50% in 33 states, representing 436 of 538 electoral votes, because more supportive states are far less populous, media outlets roundly trashed Trump's re-election hopes for 2020. An MSNBC graphic showed how most people in eight of nine swing states that he carried in 2016 now disapprove of him, prompting Joe Scarborough to gasp ominously, Phew! Wow! Gallup itself explained from the start, Trump's job approval ratings by states give him a baseline estimate of how his re-election prospects stand, the report said. And 50% higher would presumably put Trump in a good position to win a state in the presidential election. 
Problem is, these figures say nothing about Trump's chance of winning a second term next year. Why? Because approval is a one-person race. And I think I've said that in the past as well. Job approval ratings are just a one-person race. And Donald Trump is near Barack Obama's approval rating two years in to his presidency, right? So... If you take that to mean that Donald Trump is somehow going to lose just because his approval ratings are low in a lot of these states, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Um, Because when you're looking at approval ratings, it's just, do you approve of Donald Trump, yes or no? It's not, do you approve of Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Um, And it's not not a one-person versus another-person race. Now, when you put Donald Trump up against a generic Democrat, he does lose but not by much. I've read, I've read a couple articles on that as well. But if you put him up against specific Democrats, then you have a different story. He wins against some, loses against others, right? And I'd like to get into some of those particular numbers as well. But that's, that was the main, the main point is his approval rating doesn't really matter. It's just kind of a baseline. But when you hear the news agencies like MSNBC saying, hey, it's a guaranteed slam dunk for whoever the Democrats put up against them. I don't know if that's a good thing to report if you're looking to get a good, strong Democrat, because then people might not be as um, as selective on who they put up against him. And what I mean by that is they might put up that you know far left socialist type person versus more of the mainstream person that might be able to win. Um, I think this more socialist-minded people, though, would say, hey, we... Because just this is the same way that Republicans are. They say, oh, we need to put up a strong conservative because that person is going to, you know, speak his mind and, and he's going to he'd be more likely to win. So they want a strong conservative to go against uh, Barack Obama, someone not a, you know, not a mainstream guy, not somebody like a Mitt Romney, like I remember Rush Limbaugh back then used to say, we need someone that's a strong, you know, right side conservative. And I think a far left person would say something similar, right? That they need somebody that's going to, you know, be way different than the, than the candidate that's running. Someone that's far to the left that can, you know, paint a picture of a of a of a different type of America, and then that'll get people to come on board. And I don't I I don't think that that's usually true in a general election campaign, because what candidates typically do is they go they start off in the in the um, primaries and they try to get as left as they can while still getting people to vote for them. But then once they hit the general election, they kind of move to the right. Or on the right side, they move to the left, right? So they move towards the center uh, once they have a campaign going. So I don't think that by the MSNBC or these, you know, these, I guess the more left-wing media, I don't think by them saying, hey, it's a slam dunk, whoever we put up against Donald Trump, Trump will win, because then the people that are uh, making the decision on who they're going to vote for might be more you know, willing to vote for somebody more on the left side that they, you know, that they maybe have some idealistic views that they, that they agree with that person on. So anyway, so just, just to follow up on what I was just saying though, you know, if you're looking at this Forbes article, it's just saying that, you know, you can't really take into account, uh, what his pop, you know, how popular Trump is right now, because it's not, it's just, that's a one person race, not him against other people.
So let's get into some of the polls then that I found because you go to Real Real Clear Politics and they have a list of pretty much every poll that you're going to find. And it talks about uh, Donald Trump's daily approval rating. And, you know, it says for uh, the Economist poll, it says 45% approve, 53% disapprove. You get into Rasmussen, Rasmussen and it says 48% approve, 51% disapprove and so forth, right? Congressional job approval, 20% approve, 61% disapprove, and so forth. But they also get into some of these on Saturday, March 2nd, there's a bunch of polls published against with Donald Trump versus specific people, right? And the first one actually gets into what who's winning on the Democratic side, right? So Biden, who hasn't even really announced yet, and I did kind of think that he was going to announce by the end of this week, but uh, the further we get into the week, I'm not sure that I believe he's even going to announce, right? But because um, Hillary Clinton already denied that she's, or said that she's not going to run. So Biden being 77 years old, I, maybe he won't end up running. But right now it has him at 37%. Uh, if he was, if there was a, an election right now for a primary it says Biden would uh, would get 37% of the vote, Sanders would get 21% of the vote, Harris would get 9% of the vote, Booker would get 6% of the vote, Warren would get 5% of the vote, O'Rourke would get 5% of the vote, Gillibrand would get 3% of the vote, Bloomberg would get 2%, Tulsi Gabbard 1%, and everyone else, you know, one or Gabbard 2%, and everybody else 1% or less. So, Joe Biden is definitely winning among Democratic voters right now by 16 points over uh, Bernie Sanders. So if he decides to run, what does that do for him? Now, he's a centrist. He's a populist guy, right? He's someone that's known. So people are going to say, yeah, I'll vote for him anyway. Um, And we know that these polls change dramatically as you get into debates and things like that. So Joe Biden, though, 37%. What if he decided this week that he was not going to run, he took his name out of the hat completely. Who would get his points, right? Who would people choose to go for at that point? Is it going to be Harris? Is it going to be Sanders? I don't know if it would be Bernie Sanders because a lot of those Biden supporters, that 37%, are just your middle-of-the-road people that, you know, those middle-of-the-road Democrats that aren't looking for a socialist. They're looking for somebody that's going to be good for the country and stable and, you know, whatever, right? That, those The people that make decisions based upon how someone looks, how they feel about the person and so forth. And also, you know, the idea that you want someone that knows what they're doing and Joe Biden does. So who's going to get those votes? Will it be uh, Harris, Booker, Warren, Gabbard, uh, Bloomberg, who knows? And Bloomberg hasn't even thrown his name into the hat yet either, right? So let's get into some of these polls, though, based upon uh, who's going to win. Okay, so these are just for South Carolina, though. So um, if you look at South Carolina, 52% would vote for Trump, 48% for Biden. South Carolina, 54% for Trump, 46% for Biden, or for Sanders, 56 for Trump, 44 for Harris. 54% for Trump, Warren 46. So he stacks up against Biden the best in South Carolina. If you get into New Hampshire, Democratic, or yeah, the New Hampshire primary, uh, 22% for Biden, 26% for Sanders. And then if you get into 
Uh, yeah, the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020. So this is just overall. Biden leads Sanders by 11 points. So it's Biden 30, Sanders 19, Harris 10. So let's get into Texas. If, if Texas, in Texas, if Trump was running against Biden, he beats uh, or Trump wins against Biden by one point. He wins against Sanders by two points. So in New Hampshire presidential primary or Republican primary, okay, so there's just there's a lot of these on real clear politics if you go there, uh, these different polls and so forth, and. If you want to look at them, you just go to Real Clear Politics, and then you go to their polls, and it'll show you all of the different polls that are going on, uh, just to let you know where all these candidates stand. I would like to see more of the in a general or in the general election. Where does Trump stand? Okay, here we go. So this is New Hampshire is Trump versus Biden. Biden wins fifty-five to Trump forty-five, and that's on February twenty-third. And that's just for New Hampshire. I'm going to find some for you guys that are going to be just overall general election. Who wins, Biden or Trump, and see where that goes. So it looks like there's not a lot of hypothetical uh, matchups between Trump versus Biden or Trump versus any of their candidates. There's a couple that I found, uh, but they were from December. And then there's some that are state-specific, like Texas, New Hampshire, Iowa, places, uh, South Carolina, things like that. Uh, But those are mostly Republican strongholds in uh, South Carolina, Texas, you know, Iowa typically votes Republican as well, I believe. So I don't think that maybe it's just too early for them to start doing those types of hypothetical matchups. But it looks like uh, from from reading several news articles, it looks like Trump is pretty strong to go against any of the candidates really that they put up. But Joe Biden seems like the biggest threat to him is that going to play into the Democrats, or is that, is that going to have Democrats make specific decisions based upon who they're going to vote for if, you know, it looks like Donald Trump can't beat a Bernie Sanders, or if it looks like a Donald Trump can't beat an Elizabeth Warren, then will it make people be more likely to vote for Biden if he jumps in, or will they go for more of a centrist candidate? Uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell because if it was Donald Trump versus Bernie, people are still going to make decisions based upon who's lesser of two evils, right? And that's the big decision that people are going to make because that's how a lot of voters, they make the decision based upon that. You always hear that. Who's the lesser of two evils? Trump, okay, I'll vote for him. Or Bernie Sanders, okay, I'll vote for him. And I think, I don't know how what percentage of people, so a lot of people vote specifically based upon Republican or Democrat. If there's an R next to their name, they're going to vote for them, and the same thing with a, with a Democrat. And then there's the people in the middle that vote based upon who's the lesser of two evils, uh, based upon feelings, based upon who looks nicer, based upon, uh, I mean, there's there's million, there's an infinite amount of factors on why someone votes for a particular person, or why they sit out and decide not to vote, because I think 30 or 40% of people end up not voting in these elections as well, right? So who's going to draw more people out? Who's going to have a more, you know, excited base of people that are going to vote for him? You know Donald Trump already has a hugely excited excited base, uh, and then you know whichever Democrat runs is going to have a hugely excited base as well because of the anti-Trump people, Right. So that, that's what it's really going to come down to. I haven't found a lot of polls, but once I start finding some of these polls, I will bring those to you, all right? Uh, this is Ray, and I am your host, though, of Ion 2020. 
I my goal for this show is to bring you a clear vision for the 2020 election, uh, help you to have a clear vision on these candidates, on their policies, on what they believe and what they want to do. And uh, come back tomorrow if you can. And you can do that by subscribing to the show. So go ahead and subscribe now while you can and give me a five-star rating and review. And then tomorrow, come on back to help so I can help you have clear vision for the 2020 election.